I was shocked because I wasn't even leading any of the stat categories other than innings pitched. And like, I think Grote had a really good year, so I, I thought he was going to win it. But uh, yeah, I was I was completely shocked and so happy that I won it though. Welcome to episode 241 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It's been a crazy few weeks in our province's baseball world, and with our focus last week being on the WCBL final, we have a little catching up to do on some of the other action that's been happening, so let's get right into it. Congratulations first to Alberta's 14U girls team for winning gold at the Western Canada Championships in Richmond, B.C. Assistant coach Dean Fraser took to Twitter to say the team didn't quit after a tough game one, battling right to the end and finally winning gold, adding he was super proud of all 13 players. Congratulations as well to Madison Willen, Caitlin Ross, and the rest of the women's national team on finishing second in the six-team Women's Baseball World Cup Group A held in Thunder Bay recently. Canada went 4-1 during the tournament, cementing their spot in the WBSC Women's Baseball World Cup Finals in 2024. A tip of the cap to the Calgary Cardinals on winning the 13U Western Championships in Fort McMurray last weekend. They hammered Saskatchewan 14-4 in the final in a dominant performance from start to finish, going 5-1 during the tourney. Also in Fort McMurray, the 18U championships were held with Ontario claiming gold. Alberta's two teams finished 5th and 6th in that tournament. Congratulations to the community of Fort McMurray on putting on a fantastic show by all accounts. A total of four national championships are on the schedule for this coming weekend, including the men's championship in Red Deer, which we will get to a little later on in the show, as well as the 16U girls, the 15U race Carter Cup and the 13U Championships. Provincially, the 14U and 16U Rawlings Cup is getting underway in Sherwood Park this weekend. Teams from across the province are taking part in the Baseball Alberta tournaments. We'll keep you updated as best we can on all of the happenings on our social media accounts and we'll recap it all on next week's episode. Congratulations to the 21 Albertans named to the roster for the Blue Jays Academy Canadian Future Showcase, which is set for September 19th to 23rd at Rogers Centre in Toronto. Several others who train here at the various academies around the province were also recognized. The official rosters haven't been unveiled yet, but we are hoping to get some of the participants on the show as early as next week. And a couple of shout-outs to a couple of pros doing great things lately. Dogs Academy and Okotoks Dogs grad Tristan Peters has been on fire with Double A Montgomery Biscuits, hitting 281 with six homers, 37 RBI, and 12 stolen bases in 73 games this season. He was named a minor league baseball player of the week for his efforts August 14th. And how about Stony Plain product and Vauxhall Academy grad Adam Mako, who's coming off his best effort of the season with Vancouver Canadians, where he allowed just two hits and struck out 11 in five innings of work. He's now 4-5 and five with a 5.33 ERA in 18 starts, striking out 91 in 76 innings of work. As things slow down here in Alberta over the next few weeks, we'll do our best to get you up to date on how all of the pros are doing and bring you a few conversations as well. All right, on to this week's guests, and let's start off with with ADS co-founder Ian Wilson, who has been a writing and photo-taking machine with the WCBL Championship last week. Not only did he write a great story to wrap it all up, but we just hit publish on his photo gallery, which you can see on our website. Ian, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me once again. It's been a crazy few weeks, got to be honest, and you've done a stellar job with both the web story as well as the photo gallery that we just posted on the website. Take us into the mindset of Ian Wilson, though, over the last few weeks here, and what your vantage point was uh, watching this WCBL final this year, what was it like? 
Uh, well, it was, it was uh, compelling yet again. And in some ways, it was a uh, running it back of last year where Okotoks, uh, you know, went through the first two rounds, no problem, like swept their way to the final and then, you know, came out great in the first game. And you're like, okay, like, this is it. Like, they're going to win on the road this year and not so fast. You know, Medicine Hat answers. Um, Okotoks had a very undog-like performance in game two with four errors, uh, conceding more runs than they had all season. And it's like, here we go again, you know, heading into game three. And um, the game three was not without uh, without drama, right? You get uh, the dogs jump out to a 5 nothing lead. And in that sixth inning, again, a couple more errors. And uh, Mavs get the bats going a little bit, tie it up. Uh, in the top of the six, and then Okotoks just says, no, enough, we're not, thanks for showing up, but we're taking over. And, you know, I, I kind of had the idea for uh, for my final story about the championship before that, that end game. And it was just about how clinical and machine-like this dog's operation has become. And they, they've figured out some recipes for success they've been able to implement them and you can call this team right now a dynasty in the wcbl they you know coming right ahead of the pandemic they had that title uh pandemic happens lose a year they have a season where they've got one team split into two so they're not a whole team and then coming out of that it's like they never missed a beat and uh back-to-back titles since then so it's uh it's been impressive in that way that they've just they've locked in and figured out how to use their roster deployment throughout the season as well as the playoffs and um you know some of those young kids stepping in the the two erics matchich and uh, hartman stepping in just like like nothing and uh and performing and producing it's just really impressive on the flip side of that, the Medicine Hat Mavericks, impressive in their own right, winning 14 of their last 18 during the season. Then they go and sweep Regina. They take Moose Jaw to three and beat the division champion Miller Express. Go into Oak Tokes. They lose that first one, 8 nothing. As you mentioned, they come back and, and put up a, a big spot on, on the dogs in game two and put up a fight in game three. And what was interesting, and I made note of this, and you and I chatted about it after the game was, Greg Morrison and the coaching staff there kept the players on the field for the trophy presentation. Part of that is sportsmanship, but you got to kind of wonder if the Mavericks were kind of putting it into the minds of those returning potential returning players for next year. Hey, remember this feeling. You don't want this to happen again. Let's go and get it in 2024. Yeah. And you know, what a fun season for the Mavericks, like Mm -hmm. a total roller coaster. You get your, your head coach leaves mid season for a pro opportunity in the pioneer league. Uh, Kevin Mitchell comes in, does a bang up job for the rest of the season. And second half, like you said, they were red hot. Uh, Greg Morrison steps out of his owner's chair and, on the on the field level, which is good to see, you know, like who Morrison is, his background is as a player, and you know he looks looks very comfortable getting back into the mm. uniform again, and very calming as well. I, I observed him interacting with the players, and he wasn't like the fiery speech guy. He was just, um, you know, kind of the, the the Mavs whisperer, for lack of a better term. And uh, you know, and then they they 
they had the unenviable task of slaying not one but two uh, juggernaut teams, and they did that with Moose Jaw in the full three, and fell just short uh, against the Dogs. And definitely no shame in in losing to the Dogs when two of those three games are, are in Okotoks. And, and just uh, one note, uh, you know, they had a few players too, like their bats were fairly consistent down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, Bean and Gardner and uh, Van Dorn, who the catcher, all hitting well. Uh, among others, and um, but but Dylan Escoval just uh, you know what an impressive season he had. He almost was the the strikeout leader in the WCBL, just falling short uh, of, of of Tucker in Sylvan Lake, who, who did it for the second second season in a row, and um, and just in the playoffs, you know, a K per inning, two and one record, and just when they needed him in that final series. He was outstanding against the dogs. He was just like, I'm, I'm dragging you guys to, to, to the limit. We're, we're taking this thing three games, and, and a fun guy to talk to. You know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he basically was like, I'm gonna come find you, and we're gonna, we're gonna have a chat if we, if we win this whole thing <laughs> for game three. And I was like, please do. Let's, let's, let's talk. So, so good for the California kid coming up and. And just performing really well, and I haven't found this out yet, but I really hope he returns to the WCBL next season. Mm-hmm. One of those guys who a I think plays really well into the the community ambassador piece, and really a fun, as you mentioned, a fun person to talk to. The other part of that is with Dylan Escoval. You and I were chatting about it during the game. Is if Medicine Hat wins, who wins the MVP? And I think hands down, it had to be Dylan Escoval, just based on the fact that he put that team uh, on his back in game two and really put in a, a dynamite performance and allowed that team a chance to to play in game three in a in a winner take all battle so uh kudos to the metasnap mavericks and okotoks dogs on a great final and kudos to all 10 teams who uh, put together a really great summer and ian looking back on it how would you describe this season is it a success in your books and what needs to happen uh or what what can be improved upon if anything well, I think there's always room for improvement with, uh, you know, every league at every level. And I include, uh, you know, the National Hockey League, Major League Baseball, National Football League, these huge money-making leagues. They make mistakes and they do things, or they could do things better all the time. So the, the WCBL in that respect is no different. But I, I do think there's, we've seen, again, coming out of the pandemic, an elevation of the product, uh, the marketing of the product, the, the social media presence—it's uh, you know the, the addition of Mark Styles uh, for sponsorship and, and partnerships for the league. It's getting you know it's just elevating uh, what they're they're able to do and what they're hoping to do. So you're seeing some of that. You've had two back-to-back outstanding All-Star games uh, at Seaman Stadium which have been real great showcase events and looking forward to that continuing. I just feel like that's where the home stretch of the season really kicks off. And you really get to see if you haven't been paying attention to the WCBL season for you know much of the first half, you go to that all-star game or you tune into that all-star game, you can learn a lot and you can see the different uh, talents in the league. So I think they've, they've elevated their game from that respect in terms of, uh, fan engagement and marketing and everything else, and it, there's still room for improvement there. Uh, I won't go into to too much, but I think some of the rollout of things could be 
a little bit better. And, you know, now's a good time to, to work on some of those things in the off season and uh, we'll see where it goes. But it, it's exciting. I, I do think, you know, I've been thinking about this, this league for a little bit and I, I, I do because every now and then, as you know, we get people. Oh, I sure miss the Cannons. I miss the Trappers. I miss the Lethbridge Mounties and the and the hat, the Baby Jays and the hat. And so yeah, I, I miss those those uh, franchises as well. But this this league, you know, don't don't sleep on it. Is mm-hmm. the, the WCBL has some great players coming through, and as you and I have said, you know, not necessarily in the podcast, but but just in talking about baseball here. It really is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the fan engagement happens, where people paying money to watch baseball, they go to the WCBL. Of course, there's the WCL in Edmonton as well, but that's a bit of an outlier right now. That's just the one franchise. So most markets are engaging with baseball fans and young baseball players through the WCBL. Getting the call guys, the guys who are really good, they're coming through that league unless they're just drafted too soon. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, I I think everything kind of flows through the WCVL um, in Saskatchewan and Alberta in terms of the high end talent that's emerging uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the instruction, like a lot of the academies uh, in both provinces feed uh, this league. And, you know, it's just, it's just good to see. And it's a, uh, it's a fun league to, to watch and get to know. Well, and especially from a fan perspective, it's hard to argue when you've got thousands of fans showing up game after game and uh, not to burst the bubble, but I know you're working on a story about attendance figures this year. The Oktoks dogs have already talked about the fact that they broke their record from last year. Uh, but a number of other teams have done the exact same thing in 2023 and expect to do the same in 2024. You look at what's on the horizon with Edmonton coming back into the league next year after a decade absence, Saskatoon's going to have a franchise as well in 2024 with the berries, which has been garnering a lot of attention on the social media sphere, especially. And so there's a lot of excitement around the league heading into 2024. You mentioned the hiring of Mark Styles and the expectation around the business side of things and allowing the teams to maybe focus a little bit more on the day-to-day baseball operations while the business side can be by, can be handled by him. Talk about what your expectations are for 2024. How excited are you to see things uh, play out the way that they may very well do, especially when it comes to the promotion side, when you see what kind of legwork has been done behind the scenes to to create some you know social media uh, experiences for fans and that kind of thing. Like All you can do is grow upon what you've done in 2023, right? I would think so. Uh, that's, that's the hope. That's the expectation. I think adding a market like Saskatoon... Um, helps so you're adding the biggest uh market in saskatchewan to the fold um and not just adding it like it's not just like oh hey here they are they, mm-hmm. they've done everything top notch so far the, the rollout of the, the the name uh the hiring of the coach and the coach like you know it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of sylvan lake when they hired uh chatwood to be their their skipper for the for the first few seasons and and he, like he's just such a respected, well-known, well-trusted figure mm-hmm. in, in Saskatchewan baseball, and I think that just is going to going to help them so much, both in terms of recruitment, but also just in terms of in the community. And uh, of course, uh, Saskatoon has other sports portfolios with the Blades and uh, and the Rush, and that helps too. That means they know 
how to how to run an organization. They've they, this isn't new to them. Uh, so I think all those things help to to put these pieces in place, and it's going to be fun. You're going to get a new team on board. Uh, it's going to be like, oh, what do the jerseys look like? Are they going with like? Are they going to be in all purple? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all purple uniforms. What are they, what are they going to be wearing? What are they going to look like? Who's going to be on that team? Are any of the guys uh, who are um, on other WCBL clubs, maybe from the Saskatoon area, going to be jumping ship and and playing for the hometown team? I'm sure that's going to happen, and uh, that's there's an excitement from that for sure. Just to see, you know, and and how will they actually play? Like it's one thing to have a new team, but you know, it is hard to to have success on the field right away. Sylvan Lake has done that, but that's you know that's not as easy as it looks. So. Very curious about about how that plays out, and then just uh, with uh, Edmonton Spruce Grove, uh, curious to see what happens with stadium developments along the way, and just uh, hopefully having them back uh, back in the mix next well as next year as well, because that Edmonton area, from a league perspective, needs uh, some rep- representation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A lot to look forward to, but we're not done yet. It's not like uh, the WCBL season is wrapped up and Ian and I are taking our baseball bats and going home. No, we got a ton more to get to before the end of the year and then heading into 2024 and beyond, but wanted to get a wrap-up of things from a WCBL perspective here in 2023. Ian Wilson, always a pleasure. We'll chat with you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Joe. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, chatting with you again soon. Next up is a young man who has received plenty of accolades in recent weeks. Edmonton's Halen Knoll was a guest on episode 203 and is a former Fort McMurray Giants and Sylvan Lake Gulls hurler, and he spent the last couple of seasons with the Edmonton River Hawks of the West Coast League. This year, he went 5-4 with a minuscule 2.20 ERA and 15 appearances. For his efforts, he was named not only a league all-star, but also the WCL Pitcher of the Year. We caught up with the 23-year-old this week just before he visited with wildfire evacuees who were being hosted by the Riverhawks at Remax Field. Halen, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Let's start here. Halen Knoll, 2023 West Coast League Pitcher of the Year. How does that sound? Oh, it sounds amazing. It's always good to get some feedback for your success. Where were you when you found out about the recognition? So I was actually on an overnight bus from Niagara Falls to Toronto. I was in Toronto for, to watch a Jays game, a little vacation, uh, when I got the call at about 11.30. Um, and uh, I had to hold my excitement because everybody was sleeping on the bus. So, Did you think at the time, man, like, am I getting punked here? Like something, did it not add up to you at all? I mean, I knew I wasn't, I knew it wasn't a joke, but uh, I was shocked because, I mean, I wasn't even leading any of the stat categories other than innings pitched. Uh, and, like, I think Brote had a really good year, so I, I thought he was going to win it. But, but uh, yeah, I was, I was completely shocked and, and so happy that I won it, though. So. As that feeling settles in a little bit, what did it mean to you when you thought back on it? Oh, uh, it means so much. I, I mean, it's just a stepping stone in my career, so... Uh, I have a lot more to go, a lot more to give, but but it's definitely like a great accomplishment to to have. On the bump, what was working for you this year that allowed you to post the numbers that you did? I mean, I basically just throw up a random number, and that's the pitch I throw. I, I think I my ability to keep uh, hitters off balance is definitely my biggest asset. I don't throw really hard, um, 
all my stuff is pretty good. So I'm able to just throw any pitch in any count. And that's a makes it very frustrating for the hitter. So we were talking earlier on about your expectations heading into the year and you kind of thought, okay, I might be a starter for a couple of weeks and then maybe take a backseat, take a bullpen roll. What was it that allowed you to stay successful and allow you to, to stay on as a starter? I mean, I, I succeeded at the start of the season uh, really well. So, and we, we never really got any other pitchers in, so there wasn't really a threat after, after that. So I stayed as a starter, ended up throwing the very first game of the season and through the very last game of the season. So that was pretty cool. Very cool indeed. Some pretty nice words about the recognition as well from Jake Landerman and Steve Hogel. Uh, one word that stuck out throughout both of their videos there was compete. Is that something you tried to pride yourself on throughout the course of the year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to, when I was younger, I had a little bit of a confidence issue. I was scared to throw to hitters, but but now that's not a problem, throwing against some of the best hitters in, in uh, college baseball here. Uh, so definitely, definitely able to get in there and throw the pitches I like. And when I have to throw a strike, I can throw a strike and not be worried that they're going to hit it. So take us through the mindset of a confident Halen Noel. Uh, yeah. I mean, locked in on the mound, not thinking about anything else, trying to get ahead of hitters as, as quickly as possible. Uh, it's basically a race to two strikes and, and that's, uh, if I can get to two strikes then the hitters in trouble. So, uh, that's, that's the confidence I need. Last time you and I chatted, you were a member of the Fort McMurray Giants, and then you made the move back down closer to home in, in Edmonton. How did your game change or move around a little bit between Fort Mac and then, of course, heading to Edmonton with the Riverhawks? Yeah, last year I started the first 10 days of the season with the Edmonton Riverhawks, uh, but they got a bunch of arms in and stuff, so I had to go somewhere uh, else. Ended up landing in Fort McMurray where I played uh season WCL All-Star that was, that was a good season I mean but there's nowhere else to play than in Edmonton obviously playing in front of my family and stuff living at home is, is just a whole relief uh, that's much needed for to, to increase confidence and, and stuff too How special has it been to play in front of that home ballpark? Oh, it's fantastic uh, definitely the best ballpark in the league we, we have the best fans so many fans every game. It's such an honor to play 27 games here every year. And in front of a lot of fans as well. How cool was it to hear about that attendance record and to be a part of all that fun? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had that attendance record broke like four or five games before the end of the season. We absolutely crushed it. So that that was so cool. I mean, everyone, all the players knew that we got a lot of fans, but near the end of the season, we, it was like, oh, wow. Like, we have the most fans ever. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's really cool to see that. What makes that barn so special to you personally? Just the atmosphere. Uh, the fans are so close to the field. There's so many fans, so many seats. It's like a castle, this this field, with all the suites. And the inside the clubhouse facilities are fantastic. I mean, definitely the best field I've ever played at, and uh, I hope I get to play here again. One of the things also mentioned in those videos was the community aspect. You donned the pink socks for Barbie night as an example. We talked as we're talking, you're chatting with uh, with people who were evacuated from their homes in wildfire regions. How important has it been for you to connect with your fans, regardless of the situation and be really a part of the community? Yeah, I mean, the fans are the people who keep us going. So I'm going to do the best I can to to make sure that they have a great time. So after the game, come and sign autographs and 
happened right here just today. Like like you said, the we had the evacuees from the wildfires here. Um, so coming down and just showing a little bit of faith and uh, yeah, it's, it's all about the community. It's it's important. So. How cool is it to sign an autograph? I mean, whether it's a baseball or a shirt or a hat, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's something you probably did as a kid was going up to your favorite player and asking for an autograph. And here you are getting that same request. Yeah, it's so cool. It makes it feel like you're in the show. I know every autograph I sign, I'm just decreasing the value of whatever I'm signing. So. <laughs> I highly doubt that, my friend, uh, especially when you consider about what might be next for you. Talk a little bit about what the next steps are as, as you continue your baseball journey. Yeah, I'm hoping to get in the pro ball either next year or the year after. Uh, just need to throw a little bit harder, and I think I can crack that egg. So that's the, that's my goal for sure. I want to play the highest level baseball as possible. What kinds of things do you got to work on to get to that point? I think for me, it's, it's velocity. So whether it be just in the weight room and getting stronger, getting faster, being able to move better. You just need to drill a little bit harder, and, and I think I can get there. I believe I remember reading that you were in the transfer portal. Are you still looking at that option right now, or what's the what's the latest status there? Yeah, I was in the transfer portal. Got lots of good offers. Uh, I ended up turning them down, and I'm going to come back to Edmonton Collegiate this year. So. Very cool. Good to have you back in the province for sure. All right, final question for you here. I know I asked you our famous, what does the game of baseball mean to you the last time around? So I won't ask that. We'll switch it up and ask, what does it mean to be in Albertan having the success at the collegiate and summer collegiate level like you had? Um, I, I mean, I love Canada as a whole. Love Alberta. It's awesome. And I love the city of Edmonton. I, there's nowhere else I'd rather live uh, than here. So uh, getting being able to play here in front of those fans and in my home is is so special fantastic stuff well halen i'll let you get back to uh, all the community involvement that you've been up to over the course of the last uh, number of days and weeks here congratulations again on all the success you've had at this point continued success going forward and thanks again so much for joining us here on the podcast yeah thank you very much and our final guest this week is Dan Esty. He's played baseball most of his life and over the last few years started up Canadian Amateur Baseball Central with a focus on covering senior men's AAA baseball across the country. His hope has been to shine a light on the quality of baseball being played and recently expanded his reach from Ontario into other provinces including Alberta, which is timely given that the men's national championships are set for Red Deer this weekend. We thought we'd chat with Dan about the tournament and what he expects to see, as well as the growth of his site, which you can check out at cabcbaseball.com or on Twitter at cabcbaseball. Dan, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. The men's Nationals are set to go this weekend in Red Deer. It's been a long time coming for that community as they've been looking forward to this for a while now. How excited are you, though, to see the best from around this country battle it out? It's it's going to be an interesting year. I was I was talking to a few teams before they before they head out there, and this is kind of um, a true national this year. We have ten teams going. Um, all the provinces are are accounted for this year, which is going to make it a, a really fun tournament. Um, so it's it's really going to be some great baseball, and I I hope the folks out in Red Deer and, and surrounding areas really. Uh, go there and pack the parks this weekend because they're, they're certainly in for a treat. And I know in talking to Red Deer, um, you know, I've already been talking to Jared and a few other guys and they're just over the moon excited to have everyone out there, which is awesome. Give us a little preview. Who should fans out here be keeping an eye on over the next few days here? 
Well, it's not too often that you get a, a defending champion returning back the following year, but um, I would say the Windsor Stars are probably going to be one of the teams to watch for, for sure. Um, they're pretty much going out there with the same team they had last year. Um, they had an, an excellent uh, Ontario Eliminations tournament here where they went 6-0 and to win the title again this year. Um, to me, the amazing part with that, they, they hit the baseball well, but uh, giving up four runs in six games to me was a particularly uh, impressive stat that that jumped off the page at me. Um, but I, I foresee them to be probably one of the favorites out there. Um, I know the uh, Sherwood Park uh, A's, one of the local clubs out there as well. Um, they, they've had an impressive year as well and seem to be really coming on strong as they went undefeated in their league playoffs again this year to uh, punch a ticket that comes to you in 2024 next year as well. Um, looking through their roster, they, they definitely look like they have a, a very strong um, core and, and nucleus that's going with them again this year as well. Uh, with some of the teams coming from out east, you have Kentville from Nova Scotia and uh, St. John from New Brunswick. Uh, both rosters have uh, have some very strong pitching, some strong hitting. Um, former Major League farmhand Jay Johnson is coming with St. John again this year. So, um, you know, it definitely gives that, uh, you know, a very strong presence from the left side on the mound for them. Um, looking at some of the other teams that are going, Burnaby, I don't know a lot about. I, I have talked to them quite a bit online, but seems like they have a, a pretty decent roster coming and usually bc does have some very strong teams that attend that tournament and uh back for the first time in a while the the regina trappers going for saskatchewan and it's great to see them have a, a team going back to the the tournament after a few years off i had to go back and look but i think it was 2018 since they've been there and uh you know talking to that club you know they're they're very excited to get out there and be able to kind of showcase their talents and see what they can do up against the rest of the best in Canada. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really interesting lineups as I look across the board here. And one of the things that stuck out to me is there's a, a good solid nucleus of, I'll call it the old guard, but guys who've been around a while and every team seems to have one or two or three guys who are young up and comers, the 19, 20, 21 year olds who are really looking to make an impact and, and, uh, and make a name for themselves and maybe get a few reps in as well. Absolutely. And I mean, it's great to see the disparity in the rosters that you do have some some guys that are getting towards the end of their career. Um, and again, you also have some guys that are, are fresh into the scene with men's AAA baseball and, and looking at, um, you know, kind of making a name for themselves now after making the jump from 22U. And it's it's always great to see that. And I mean, you want this to be a continuing and a growing sport at this level. And I think with teams doing that and being able to include those those kids in their rosters, um, I guess I can call them kids. I'm 40 now, but um, you know it's 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 cool to see that happening. And they're they're going to get the best experience ever this weekend out there because going to national tournaments, there's there's nothing like it. It's a different atmosphere. Um, and as much as you want to go out there and play well and and you know, make sure you come home with some hardware. It's, it's, you know, and I said this to teams earlier on Twitter is just go there and enjoy the moment, have fun with it. Um, and just soak in the atmosphere when you're there. Cause it really, really is a, a very fun time. Not only are you someone who obviously has does the online thing for the Canadian Amateur Baseball Central, which we'll get to, to in a second, but you're also a player. You've taken part in this, as you just kind of alluded to with uh, sort of your your experience in, in that scope. 
Tell us a little bit about the tournament, the style of play, the the quality of ball that fans are going to be seeing in Red Deer this weekend. For me, uh, as I said before, I, I, I grew up in Fredericton, so I did attend some national tournaments. Uh, I never did attend one at the senior level, um, but I did attend at the juniors twice. I went to the Canada Cup. I went to the midgets twice, and I also went to one in Bantam. And there's just there's nothing like going to a tournament and and you know facing some of the best that there is in Canada at, at your age level and um, you know this is a, a particularly tough tournament to be able to go through because you know with pool play you know everything counts and and every run that you give up counts and you have to make sure that you're you're you know a game in and game out when you're on the field. Um, you know, with those top three teams moving on in each division, like not only are you playing for a playoff position, but if you're towards the top of your division, then you're playing for that buy into the semifinals, which to me, that's what makes a huge difference at this tournament. Um, you know, if you don't get that buy, you're playing four games in the round robin plus a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final. That's seven games in four days. Um, and that's a lot of arms to go through. So, um, most definitely teams are going to be playing hard to get themselves into that medal round, but definitely you're going to have some of those teams that have been there before. You're going to have those players that have been there before with that experience. And, and they're going to know that, you know, we, we really want to work hard within our division to get that by, because it certainly does make a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. As mentioned, Canadian amateur baseball central is uh, your brainchild. And the second, as you were telling me, uh, idea that you've brought to life. Tell us a little bit about it in the background and give us Cole's notes on, on what you were hoping to accomplish with it. So when I first moved to Ontario and started playing, I ended up uh, actually picking up the website for my local league here, the Coba Major Baseball League, which I've run now for close to 10 or 11 years. And um, I kind of taken that from looking at our league specifically to, you know, growing it into almost a a tool that you can look at for senior baseball in Ontario, where you're looking at different tournaments that happen around the province. We have a particular uh, player picture of the week um, uh, awards, as well as a team of the week awards for our our local league that we put on there as well. But um, it's kind of growing itself into a tool where I use that account um, three or four times at the limbs to uh, live tweet results and, uh, and follow along and kind of keep the province um, up to date with some of the results that were happening in that. Um, 2018 and 2019, I decided with that account to follow the Canadian national championships because I had uh, teams that were going with, you know, guys that I knew from those teams and they were asking if I would maybe follow along and help so that uh, folks back here in Ontario could follow. Um, and from that, I kind of got the idea to say, hey, you know, as much work has been done here in Ontario now, maybe it's time to start to look at um, something on a more national stage. So entered the Canadian Amateur Baseball uh, Central that I started back in. I wanted to start in 2019, but COVID kind of shut us down for a couple of years. So I started in 2021 looking at a couple of leagues with playoffs. And uh, it's kind of growing itself into its own kind of brand and style of looking at men's triple a baseball across canada where you know we're looking at top tens that are being posted now uh we're looking at uh nine leagues and ten or ten sorry ten leagues that are being followed across uh seven provinces and it's you know just when i first started it i didn't really expect it to turn into that much 
but it's really exploded into something that, to be honest with you, is quite overwhelming the support and uh, messages that I get on a daily basis from teams and different things like that. And, you know, the last two weeks, I've gotten a ton of messages from fans, from teams, from players that have just been, you know, they can't wait for the Canadians. And uh, it, it certainly is going to be a, a, a great week of baseball. And I know that Jared and his team out in Red Deer are going to put on an absolutely fantastic show for the uh, for the country to watch. And I know for those that don't want to get onto the live feed, um, I do have access to it. And I'm going to be live tweeting some of the games from out there. I'm going to try and make it as interactive as a as a you know as a, an experience as I can. Um, I'll have a scorebook at home and stuff, but I'm going to be doing the scorekeeping and I'm going to take pictures of the book after the game to post for people to see. So it'll kind of be like you're there if you're not there and, and hopefully I can make it a, a great experience for those that are going to be following around the country. As you mentioned, it's kind of grown into its own little monster a little bit. You've got a clothing line now, as you mentioned, the top 10 list. And you mentioned the messages back and forth. And I'm curious, anytime you add a list into anything, you're obviously going to open up the door for a few people going, what are you thinking? So how has that been in terms of the response to some of the things that you have been putting out into the world, like a top 10 that you've been generating? To be honest with you, I... I had no plans in doing a top 10. Um, I had a few friends reach out and said, hey, you know what? This would be something cool to look at. And, you know, it's not going to be official, official, but hey, you know, it's going to generate some conversation. And so around the middle of June, I kind of started to look at how I wanted to piece it together and look at it. Um, so I started looking at some stats, team records. Um, I kind of went back previous a few years just to look at uh, some of the stuff that I had from there and as I said to you earlier, I you know I put the first edition of it together, I believe, in the middle of June, and uh, and posted it. And within probably 24 hours on Twitter, it had 25,000 views. So I thought, you know, that's that's kind of pretty cool for amateur sandlot baseball in Canada. You know, to see over 25,000 people take an interest in something like that, and you know, obviously from there, I I kind of figured, hey, if that's if it's that popular, so we we kind of put out a different top 10 every two weeks and we'd basically look at the uh, play that those teams had over the course of the two weeks so it didn't really we kind of looked into previous weeks as well um, but usually the top 10 has always been based on that two weeks of game time that I'm looking at for certain teams and and where they're going to get kind of slotted into the rankings and no real chirping or anything like that so far anyway, but it's been, for the most part, it's, it's received a lot of very uh, positive feedback to me, which has been uh, pretty awesome to see from the teams around the country. Well, and obviously the other piece to it is, you're, as you mentioned right off the top, is that you're generating some conversation and generating some interest in the league. What's that meant to you to be able to give back to the game that uh, you've really enjoyed playing over the last, as you mentioned, 40 years now? Uh, it's, uh, I'll be honest with them and there's no other way to put it. It's been, it's been overwhelming. It's been cool. It's been fun, but it's just been, it's been extremely overwhelming to see the support, not only from folks here in Ontario and not only, you know, from family and stuff back home in, in New Brunswick where I'm from, but it's been truly amazing to see, you know, 10 different provinces that have anywhere from, you know, five to, 12 teams playing in it at the at the men's triple a level and you know during the course of a day i i usually get you know not 10 11 messages from teams and players asking about certain things like 
I told a couple of friends I'm almost tempted next year to put together a cheat sheet for the for the Canadians for the teams that go because the questions that I've gotten about, you know, who's this guy going with them and who are their pickups and you know who do you think they're going to start against us? It's been it's been a lot of fun and I mean it's it's great to see something like this coming together because it's been a long time coming for this level of baseball in Canada that something like this has happened and it's really creating a buzz that. I think personally it's going to just continue to trend up. And I, I hope for kids that are playing 22U baseball and even those that are playing 18U baseball, that when you finish those years of baseball, you know, there's there's programs there waiting for you, you know, and you just have to kind of go seek them out and, and find them and they'll, they'll give you a spot to play. And it, it really is a, a great level of baseball to be able to play for a number of years after you're done those those youth levels. Mm-hmm. Great work on your part. Final question for you. What does the game of baseball mean to you? <laughs> well, it's been uh, a tough question, man. Walking <laughs> away from the game this week, like it's it's been uh it's been my life for thirty seven years. I mean, my dad was an umpire for for twenty eight years. He was part of the national program. Um, even after I moved out here, you know, he continued to umpire for a few years. My mom's been locally involved with the New Brunswick Senior League for a number of years as, as part of their executive. Um, it's just something that I, I I guess if I look at the way things have worked out for them, I kind of figured that, you know, I was going to start something at some point to keep myself involved in the game after I walked away from it. But, uh, oh, it's it's been a, a tough last couple of days, days knowing that, uh, you know, to be able to walk back on the field and play at a, at a high level with the triple a level uh for men's um that's not going to happen anymore but you know now it's kind of time for me to pivot and uh and hopefully find a way that i can give back to those that are continuing to play or those that are coming up to play and hopefully they get a a good sense of uh of what this level is supposed to be and and just kind of try some light on it across the country You've done a fantastic job of it and looking forward to seeing where this thing takes you next, Dan. Really appreciate the time. Congratulations on all the success you've had with it so far. Continued success. And thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate having me. Thanks again to Ian Wilson, Halen Knoll, and Dan Esty for joining us this week. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you like this or any other episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on your app. Those actions, of course, help spread the word about ADS. A massive shout out to our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. The Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy have been integral in helping us share the game stories in our province. We'd love to add to our sponsor lineup, so if you're interested, drop us a line at albertadugoutstories at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for all of your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.